Rob, welcome yes. to the Commerce Talks uh, podcast. Thank you, Alexander. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me so, in this very grand uh, office. Yeah, it's like uh, it's the best we uh, could get. I think next year it's going to be a different location uh, for Seamless, I think, in, uh, in Riyadh. But will, you, but will you have a robot outside? That's what I want we to have know. a robot with annoying music, but I hope like, the microphone is able to, uh, to, to cut this um, out. On your title, it says you're e-commerce VP at uh, Al Shaya Group. Al Shaya Group, indeed, VP of e-commerce. Yes, absolutely. What is it? What is what? VP of e-commerce? Yeah, uh, VP of e-commerce, we know what it is. Uh, it means different things to different people, so it would be a fair question. But um, uh, Al Shire. Al Shire uh, is a fantastic Kuwaiti company um, with headquarters uh, it's still in Kuwait. The Burj Al Shire is a, is a fantastic place, uh, which I enjoy visiting very much. Um, but we also have uh, headquarters in Dubai and you know, regional headquarters all over um, the rest of the uh, Middle East and some parts of Central Europe. Um, but I work out of the Dubai office, uh, which is now um, uh, growing by the, by the second. Um, and as a group, we are um, a world-leading retailer looking after some of the world's best-loved and known brands uh, across the GCC, MENA region, and into, as I say, um, into, into parts of Europe. Um, we look after 80 brands, uh, circa 80 brands. 80, uh, 80. 80. Um, across lots of different verticals, fashion, health and well-being, beauty, uh, hospitality. Uh, Starbucks is one of our brands. So um, we are historically and traditionally a, a fantastic bricks and mortar retailer. Uh, that's what we've done all of our lives. Um, and very recently, certainly fueled in part by the, the pandemic, um, Al Shire transformed very quickly overnight, in fact, into... Um, someone that, 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 that cared about e-commerce, as, as most people had to do. Um, as a result, e-commerce went from nothing to something. And during the pandemic, our CEO um, decided uh, that digital was uh, not going to go away. It isn't a fad. Uh, and in this region, that was a bold statement because, as you know, um, e-commerce here is nowhere near as mature and developed as in Central Europe, for example, which is where I'm from and where you're from. Um, so he decided he wanted to do e-commerce properly and therefore um, uh, made the move to start bringing some uh, people, some talent in from outside of the region to uh, build an e-commerce capability within our Shire that brings us to a point where we can truly say we are the best digital retailer in the region. Um, maybe let's start with like let's start with the Starbucks brand. So um, so you own Starbucks from a you don't own Starbucks from a from a shareholders perspective, but um, uh, you're operating the Starbucks brand here in the region. Or how does it work? Yeah, so it's, the the, the, the model is the same across most of our brands, whether it's Starbucks or H and M or or, um, or Boots or Mothercare or Foot Locker. You know, we we work um, very much hand in hand with the host brand, uh, many of which are U.S. brands. And we look after their brand and their trading capability in this region. Uh, they trust Al Shire uh, to understand the region in ways yeah. which they do not. Uh, they trust Al Shire to run their business in a way which makes it effortless for them to make profit. Yeah. Uh, and essentially, we um, leverage all of their brand assets and everything that is dear to them from a brand point of view to build stores and open stores in the right places and now um, increasingly to build websites and apps 
in all of the same environments to create that omnichannel experience for customers that want to engage with these brands in an effortless way, however they choose. But but, uh, but how does it work? Do, do you then do is Al, 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 um, Al Shaya then buying or like getting the right of distributing the brand here and then running all the all the stores and the malls? Yeah, um, we're, we're not we're not a distributor. We're 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 in partnership with the host brand. So the models change ever so slightly across different brands, but ultimately uh, we pay a royalty uh, to the brand uh, in in as a percentage of our profits. That's basically the way it works. But then you run the store, you hire the people, yes. you find the right spot in the malls. Yes. Um, obviously the uh, the. Uh, Do you have to buy the mer the, the, uh, the the merchandise or the the inventory? On your, is it on your risk on your PNL on Alshaya's PNL or is it still owned by H&M? No, it's it's uh, again it can be different depending on which brand you're talking about. Okay. But ultimately, yeah, the stock is 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 bought in by us, um, yeah. and the stores and the investment is by us. Um, any development costs with building the digital operation is okay. us. Okay, and then H&M when they are going like in the go-to-market motion here for KSA or Dubai or Kuwait, they're saying okay, instead of trying to find like a general manager for Kuwait, finding the right people, hiring them, I'd rather partner up with you with Alshaya yeah. uh, because you have the people already. You know to how to run those stores. You maybe have already good conditions in some malls because you've already booked space for other brands in those stores and then they go with you instead of building that up themselves. Yeah, so, so I'll, I'll give you uh, the, the most recent example is a fantastic brand um, called Allo Yoga and um, the model with, with them is that in order to be successful in this region um, they want to partner with somebody that makes it easy for them. They, Of course any brand can come into this region and, and find their own stores and man their own stores and run their own stores and build their own websites and, and build their own fulfillment centers and, and understand the marketing landscape. Anybody can do that if they want to, but it's hard and it's complicated and it takes a lot of time. We know how to do all of that stuff. And um, as a result, any, any brand, whether it's an American brand or a UK brand or a German brand um, that wants to do business in this region, um, what we're saying is come and talk to us Uh, we will do it in the right way to the point where you can walk into any one of the properties and be proud of what, what we've done um, and that it's representative of your brand in a, in a, in a global sense. Um, and essentially, uh, the product that we sell, we both benefit from the profit that comes as a result. Uh, and the risk in terms of building up that business is you know, largely taken by us. If it takes us uh, a year or two years to build a business for a brand that we're in partnership with, Uh, where it becomes profitable, that's that's something that we have to build into our model. Okay, got it. Is this like is this a standard model how how brands expand into different regions or like I don't know. Let's go for the Iberian um, uh, island, so Spain, Portugal. So when there is like an H and store, is there something like Al Shaya behind it, or do they drive themselves the stores? It, it, again, it depends. I think in terms of I mean there are there are other franchise operators in this region, right? We're not the only ones. Uh, every franchise operator has its own, um, I would say, uh, niche. Um, you know, some guys, uh, the Shalou Group, for example, uh, look after the luxury brands. Um, whereas our space is much more in the premium high street uh, as far as um, you know retail goes. But we've got some fantastic hospitality brands as well. You mentioned one earlier, uh, Starbucks, but you know, Cheesecake Factory, Shake Shack. These are all uh, brands that sit within our hospitality division. Um, And yeah, the, the, you know, the model can, um, can be different depending on you know, how the brand wants to engage. But ultimately, um, what the brand provide is their, um, their, their, their brand IP and the product 
Um, some brands might choose to offer that product on a push basis where they say, here's what we want to sell in your region. And, um, and, and that stock package is, is preconceived, if you like. Other brands are more open to working on what we describe as a pool model. Whereas what they say is, we have no idea what you're going to sell in your region. Goodness me, you know, your winter is still 30 degrees every day. So what do you want to sell? And uh, we then go in and essentially would do a, a sort of a buy um, and decide what product out of their range we want to bring into this region. And the economies of scale are something like um, you have like a, a mall manager who's managing like all malls in Riyadh, for example, and then he's doing all the deals for all brands uh, uh, um, for, instead of like having one manager managing deals with, with malls per brand. So we, we, we generally operate on a brand by brand basis. Um, of course, you know, the Al Shire organization is a big matrix structure and it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it can be very complicated, but essentially each brand has its own dedicated team of people that are only focused on that brand. We don't have, um, you know, a, a, a wall team that are dealing with multiple brands. It's every brand has its own dedicated okay. resource. Um, you know, do we have people that are focused on how malls are trading? Of course we do. Um, but they're not responsible for brand performance. The brand teams are very, yeah. very uh, separated and very focused on their own objectives. So having said that, um, Al Shire as a group also has an interest in malls. Um, you know, in, in, in Dubai, uh, a lot of the, the malls are run, um, you know, by MAF, for example. And we have a fantastic relationship with them, clearly, because we want the right stores in the right places in those malls. And it's in our interests to build the relationships to, to enable us to be in the right places, um, especially because real estate in a place like Dubai is, is extremely sought after and you have to have the relationships in place to get the right real estate. But in other environments and in other countries, uh, Kuwait being a good example, um, you know, we actually have a much greater interest in the mall to the point where you know, we, we would run it and it's ours. So the avenues, for example. Okay, and um, you said you're like uh, you're doing this for like 80 brands. But is there do you like kicking some brands out that are not performing um, anymore because you're dependent on kind of a, a global demand on those brands? Because you wouldn't like if there's no demand for a brand in this region. I don't know. Let's say a random UK brand saying, okay, I'd like to sell in the GCC region. If there's no knowledge here, no brand awareness, no demand. It doesn't make sense for you to bring the brand here, right? Well, it, it, it's, it's a very good question. Um, and I'll, my answer would be not necessarily. So, um, you know, we're, at the end of the day, we're businessmen. And, uh, and, and the business is, is clearly uh, around to make a profit. So nobody's looking to take on a brand that's dead. Um, so the answer to your question is, uh, if a brand approached us to do business in this region... And um, we didn't feel that there was any potential for that brand to turn a profit even after X months or years, then clearly we wouldn't want to work with that company. At the same time, if we have a brand that is already in our, uh, in our portfolio that becomes distressed um, and for one reason or another um, starts to, to perform poorly to the point where no matter what levers we pull, what tricks we, 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 we pull out of our box, out of our hat, we are struggling to make a profit with that brand. You know, we're not looking to, to run brands at a loss. So it's, it, we would have a, a very clear business head on our shoulders with regards to making sure that the brands that exist within our portfolio are profitable. 
And I don't know what what uh, what you are allowed to share, but like, can you share some numbers about the group? So, how many people are employed? I've learned now 80 brands and some revenue. I don't know what is public and what is not public, but just to get a understanding of the size of Alchaya. Yeah, well, it's it's um it's it's an enormous organization. Um, you know, 5,000 plus um, uh, employees. You know, from a, to the head office point of view, when you start to factor in store employees, it, it becomes you know way larger than that. In terms of um, so, it's five thousand employees are not including the store employees. Our, our store employee uh, would take it above the five thousand mark. Yeah. Okay. Um, and in terms of numbers, um, we're a. I can tell you, we're a, a multi-billion-dollar turnover business. Um, I won't give you the exact figures. I'm sure you will understand why I may not want to share the exact. No, no, numbers. no, no. Just, just like just, just, just to get it, just to get an understanding. And then you said during Corona, so you were obviously focused on like the brick and mortar rollout uh, strategy before Corona. And during Corona, you said, okay, there's now people now need to order from home, and they cannot go to H&M.com uh, because there's no offering to send something in, in Dubai or or, or to Riyadh. Then you decided to build like your own platform for those brands. So I'm not saying that there was nothing at all uh, from an e-com point of view pre-COVID, uh, but the offer was was let's just call it um, uh, nascent and uh, and uh, you know relatively immature. It, it wasn't that um, that nobody cared about e-commerce. It just hadn't gotten to a point in this part of the world where it was ready um, to play a, a significant part. Clearly, when the pandemic hit everything changed um, and if you didn't have something going on online you went out of business pretty quickly so like all decent businesses um, the Alshire group pivoted and worked out a way to to survive uh, and that that way to survive involved standing up digital properties for many of the brands that were either exclusively trading uh, offline um, or only slightly online um, as well as the offline business very very quickly um, and that huge ramp in terms of suddenly becoming um, a business that had an e-commerce division has uh, matured through the pandemic, um, stabilized and, and, and become um, you know, normal through the pandemic. And as I said earlier, uh, the, the general direction of travel now is to say, great, we've now got this, uh, this new arm to our business, which you know maybe we should have had previously, but we you know we didn't have previously. It's now significant. It's not um, a tiny part of our business. It's, but, it's, but significant, in like in ten more than like ten percent of the whole turnover. So if you look at our business as a whole, um, the the percentage of how much business is being done online in a transactional capacity is still quite small. You know, circa three percent. Yeah. Because the entire business involves all of our hospitality brands, Starbucks, Cheesecake Factory, etc., etc. That don't and people transact won't, yeah, people won't like order their Starbucks it, coffee online. Exactly. And get it shipped. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. But if you take the amount of uh, business being done online um, in a like-for-like -like capacity, in terms of you compare it as a share of business to the mm. brands that are online properly in what we call a full-stack capacity, which means we've built the site, we we host the site, we fulfill the site, we develop the site, we market the site, you know, we run it properly, hence full-stack. Um, the share of online business now is more like 12%. Yeah, that's a lot. That's like, uh, that's like more than just like one, one more store, yeah. right? Or one more, one yeah. more wallet. Yeah, look, the, the, way, the way that e-commerce, the way that I feel about it, um, certainly in, in this region, is, is similar to how I felt about uh, things when I was in London. The, the e-com store should be your biggest store. 
you know, it, it, and, it, and it serves so much more than just being somewhere where people can come and buy something online. Increasingly, and certainly what we've seen since the pandemic started to ease in this region in a much more pronounced way than places like Central Europe is a declining conversion trend. And, and the reasons for that are that um, unlike Central Europe, I mean, I'm from London and I've travelled back to London a couple of times since I, I arrived here in April 2021, and it's, 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 it's miserable. The high street is, is, is a, a shell of its former self. Oxford Street is full of uh, American candy stores and vape shops. Uh, the Debenham store's gone. Top shop's gone. Um, you know, the House of Fraser store looks, looks, looks bleak. There's, there's a, a very different high street in the UK, um, which you could say is in serious decline. Over here, that's not the case. You know, malls are alive and kicking. The, the model, we were listening to um, uh, uh, Mohammed um, uh, speak earlier today about the mall model out here. It's, it's, it's very much alive and well. And as the pandemic has started to ease, people are going back to those stores. People are using uh, uh, websites and apps to research what they want to buy when they go to the mall, which you know, starts to account for the, the challenging yeah. conversions that we've seen. Um, and that's okay, you know, as long as you can join the dots. And we're doing a lot of work at the moment with, with Google, for example, to try and work out what value uh, in terms of uh, brick and mortar retail is being done from our online investment, not just in our in the way that we build websites and apps, but in the marketing investment, which is significant across our brand portfolio. And it's uh, you know our early reads suggest that it's it's a significant number. So what we're trying to do is help the business understand that digital is so much more than just websites and apps. Uh, it's, it affects customer behavior in so many ways. It's just a case of us understanding that ecosystem and joining those dots to the point where we can help but, everybody but, but understand. How, how did you do it? Because like, it's usually hard, like, even for like, one brand, building, building up from like a, you say, nascent uh, e-commerce experience into like, a more developed one. We're not talking like Zalando about youth standards in Europe, but like, to a good experience where product information is up to date, their inventory informations are connected, maybe even store by store uh, uh, basis, uh, which is obviously something uh, uh, you must have in mind to connecting the dots between the, the stores. Um, usually companies are doing on their own, like H&M, trying to build this kind of experience. Like, like in Europe, it's like a disastrous experience, to be honest. Like, yeah, uh, the agree, online, uh, the UX is, is, is bad, the user journey is bad, the delivery experience is bad, so it's not good. Yeah. And, and, and you, you had to, to do it like for, you said not every 16, brand needed 16 that. different brands. Six, yeah, yeah. How did you do it? Uh, look, if, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it, right? Um, so it's not easy. Um, and as I said uh, in the, in the um, auditorium this morning, it's, uh, it's complex. And, and the bigger you get, the more complicated it gets and the harder it is to get it right. Are, are we perfect? Of course we're not perfect. Um, if you take any one of our sites, it wouldn't take us long if we sat here with a screen open for me to start to get cross with things that aren't the way I want them to be. Um, And that's going to continue for, you know, arguably forever. You know, the, the, the perfect e-commerce journey, the perfect e-commerce experience, I fundamentally believe will never exist because by the time you've gotten to utopia, there's a new utopia you're chasing. It's just moving that quickly. So how do you do it uh, with a lot of hard work by building great teams um, and by, by building a, a culture within your business which is willing to change? 
Um, people talk about digital transformation all the time. You know, what the hell does that even mean? Most people say it flippantly. They don't even understand what it takes to transform a business digitally. The future takes a long time to arrive and you have to be invested in that transformation process to see it through properly. And you have to take people on a journey with you. The fact is, in this region, whether we like it or not, um, e-commerce is still fairly new. It's not like London. It's not like Munich or Berlin. It's not like Paris. It's not like the US. It, it's, it's, um, people don't understand it over here in the way that we're used to. And as a result, you have to help them uh, understand a, a different way to do business. And that's why it's important, I think, to speak plain English. You know, nobody likes being bamboozled with acronyms. Nobody likes to be told that the way that you've built your P&Ls are wrong and doesn't work for e-commerce. Um, so you need to look at it a different way and then spew a load of jargon at them that they're not going to understand. It's, it's in my interest to build, build relationships, win friends and influence people within our Shire so that they understand the journey that we're all on collectively together and are as enthusiastic as I am about building their online share of business up into the 20% mark. And I'm really pleased and proud to say that over the last 18 months, as long as I've been with the Oshaya Group, uh, we've, done a, we've done a really good job there. And the, um, everybody in our business, up to the, the senior leadership team and, uh, and our CEO, are very much supportive of you know, what we now refer to as our, our, our digital hub and our digital mission to um, give the Alshire Group a new string to its bow and to be able to be um, not just the best in class when it comes to opening stores, but best in class with an omnichannel experience that includes digital. And, and how big is the team working on the e-commerce experience for those uh, 16 brands? So the matrix around it? So I look after e-commerce within um, a, a digital office uh, within the Alshire Group, but there are other parts of the digital office, right? So my bit's called e-commerce and my team is circa 115 people or will be circa 115 people when we finish our recruitment mission in the early parts of next year. But the other parts of the digital office revolve around um, brand planning and strategy. So there's another team that look after that. There's another team that look after digital payments and loyalty. So I mentioned earlier on today that we've just launched our um, loyalty scheme called Aura, uh, which replaced a previous uh, loyalty scheme which had just become um, ineffective. So we've retired it and we've built this new one, which is very much an app-based thing. It connects all 80 of our brands. So what, however you choose to engage with our Shire brands, you can earn points that are then redeemable across our portfolio. Uh, that's launching here in KSA very soon and is launched in many of our other markets. But it's a, that's a loyalty program, loyalty program exclusive to our Shire brands. Yes. It's not outside of our Shire brands. No, it's just our own brands. But it's an interesting, interesting proposition to start a loyalty program because if it's like successful within our Shire, then more brands most likely want to join. Well, look, I, I'm not saying for a second at the moment that our end game with, with Aura is to you know, essentially turn it into some kind of loyalty marketplace. Um, but we'll talk more, I'm sure, about marketplaces and the on, onward rise of the marketplace in this region in, in, in due course. Mm -hmm. um, but right now, our, 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 our mission with the Aura program is clearly to um, help customers understand the, that the Alshire group is much greater than the sum of its parts. You know, many people don't know 
um, that we're behind a lot of these, uh, these, these brand names that we all know and love. And why should they? We don't necessarily want Al Shire to yeah. be a famous like, household name. Their next question if you really yeah, want to. Yeah, no, we, we, we don't. You know, we don't want to brand anything Al Shire. We don't want people to talk about Al Shire as if it's you know, a brand. Of course we're a brand. Um, but it's not, that's not the main cut and thrust to us. We want to make our brands famous. And what we want to help our customers understand is that by shopping in our very, very rich pool of fantastic brands, that um, you know, there are benefits in, in, in introducing them to other brands through the loyalty scheme. For example, if you're used to buying all your clothing from H&M, or you're used to buying all your coffees every morning from Starbucks, or you're used to buying stuff for your, your newborn baby and your young children from mother care, that the points you amass with your regular spending pattern there, you can enjoy at the weekend by going and getting a, a lovely meal at the Cheesecake Factory or grabbing a burger as you pass Shake Shack. Um, you know, it, it's, it's uh, an environment where we believe that we can engender much stickier relationships with our customer base. Um, okay. by educating them as to what we can offer. Got it. But is it already on a level where you would say, okay, when you're like going now for a new brand, let's say, I don't know, Mango. I don't know if this is already a brand, let's, but could Man be. Mango is not one of our brands. Okay. But, let's they're, say a lovely, Mango, but they're a lovely brand nonetheless. Yeah, okay. Let's say Mango uh, is approaching you. Could, could you, could you say, just to find out what the potential is, could you start it as an online first experience, like to offer it to your customers? Because you can build warehouses. For Mango, one, two, or three. It's usually easier to do and faster to do than just uh, um, putting it in a, in a store because it's it's, it's long-term commitment for a store. And the warehouse you can reuse for whatever for whatever you want. So could that be part of the future growth strategy to try out brands online first before you're committing into renting stores and training staff and doing all the brand work? For sure. So, uh, uh, and that's another really good point around why digital is going to be important for a business like Al Shire to thrive and grow, yeah. right? Because if you don't have that digital division, that digital arm, then you can't run that kind of a strategy. I think to answer the question, um, first of all, we own warehouses. So the, the warehouses that we have in all of our core markets um, Uh, are owned by us. We've just invested 200 million here in KSA in building new warehouse operations. So, you know, we're very proud of our warehouses in the same way that we're very proud of our stores. Um, the uh, question that you asked, though, in terms of is it feasible, commercially feasible for a brand to be online only or for us to test the water with an online offer before we invest in stores? Absolutely. Um, but again, that would be a conversation with the brand. So if, let's call it Brand let's call it Brand Alexander. Brand Alexander approaches us uh, and says, look, we've got a great business in the US and in, and in, and in, in the UK, um, but we're finding it almost impossible to get to grips with what you need to do to be successful in the, in the GCC or MENA region. Um, can you help? Uh, we would obviously sit down with them and we'd look at their, with their books and their numbers and we would say, yes, we recommend this kind of a strategy. It could be, we think you should open... 50 standalone stores and we'll build you websites and apps in seven different markets and uh, we'll also put your product into uh, our Debenhams department stores and we think we can also sell those products in some of our other stores. It could be uh, a, a strategy like that we recommend. It could be, do you know what, 
we don't think it's worth investing in standalone stores for you until we've got a bit of traction because your brand isn't well known. What we recommend is that we put your product into um, this environment first. It could be one of our digital department stores. It could be a marketplace strategy uh, and it could be a pure play from an e-com point of view. And once we see some traction in any given market from any one of those fingers in the pie, then we can start to look at an investment strategy that's more aggressive in a traditional capacity. So I think the short answer to your question is yes. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And then, uh, this, the, obviously, uh, you already mentioned this, like the marketplace, the marketplace piece. So um, I can think of Alshaya like of, um, when it comes to marketplace, like from two different sides. So obviously, you have access to brand inventory, like for 80 brands, which you could sell on local marketplaces, like Moon, for example. Okay. Or, or you can build your own marketplace because you you already have so much inventory. Yeah. Which would attract, obviously, I don't know, I haven't looked at like, uh, maybe if there's already like a, a website where you're offering all the brands, but this website could, um, could, could attract so much traffic already that you can develop it into a marketplace. What, what's your view on that? So um, I would suggest that the ideal model um, for, for any brand um, with the right level of commitment would usually involve. Uh, an omnichannel presence, so stores and online. It would involve um, a uh, connected experience across all of those environments. It would involve an element of B2B. It would inv involve clearly a, a B2C stream. We would, um, though, engage with the brand in the same way that we would work out the commercial terms of engagement initially about the channels available for us to sell. Some brands are very comfortable with the notion of being on marketplaces in this region, whether it's Noon or Namshi or whether it's someone like Jameer or Amazon. Um, you know, they're all just third party marketplaces at the end of the day. Um, some brands are very enthusiastic and happy to be on those, in those environments and some brands not so much. Um, so it's not down to us to simply say to the brand, if you do business with us out here, this is how we will sell you. It's a conversation and we oh, sign okay. up to sell. So you're not necessarily getting unlimited rights you still have to negotiate with the brand so how, how it's going to be presented here at the offset we would set out uh, uh, our view of the best way for that brand to be successful in this region and um, that may well involve a marketplace uh, strategy as part of their overall yeah. um, route to market but if a brand was dead against being on marketplaces for whatever reason we may well entertain the idea that let's get some traction in the market first we'll come back to that a little later it's not I'd like to think we tailor our offer um, to be uh, sympathetic and right for the brand. There is yeah. no cookie cutter. Is, is it a challenge to get like brands from a, from a, from a similar um, competitive cluster? Like, I don't want to stress the Mango example uh, too far, but you have H&M, which is more or less like a competitor of Mango. Um, would such a competitor feel good about that like the same organization is selling like similar brand because your goal is the same you want to like uh, get as much revenue because it's a commission-based business as much revenue as you can um, out of out of the deal or would they rather go then to uh, an um, competitor saying okay i'd rather go to a company where there's no direct competitor of mine uh, right now it's a great it's a great question and, and the answer is uh, i think um, a resounding no because of the way that we run the brands that we look after Of using the, if, if we stick with the fashion example uh, for a second, then we we morph from um, from Mango into H and M and American Eagle, right? Both fashion brands, both Alshire fashion brands, both very successful 
our Shire fashion brands, and both great global brands. Um, do we feel that our, 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 our friends and colleagues at American Eagle uh, feel disadvantaged in any way that we also look after H&M? Absolutely not. In fact, I would suggest it's the polar opposite. There is no um, either or from our Shire's point of view. We will not cross-sell American Eagle product to H&M or vice versa. Um, you know, I hate the term Chinese wall, but it's, it's a concrete wall. We make sure that we are operating at brand level in a completely unique way for that brand. We will not compromise the way that we work with or um, run and manage one of our brand relationships because we've got somebody else in our portfolio that sells similar product. It's just not anything that comes into our list of things to worry about. It's never been an issue and I would suggest never will be. Okay, then last question about like the market situation um, overall because most of the brands I've seen so far are lifestyle brands. Essentially, everything you can buy in a mall is essentially lifestyle. Um, all the lifestyle brands I know in Europe uh, do have, because of the Ukraine war, recession, inflation, they have all the problem of like their full warehouses, um, customers uh, are kind of a buying freeze, they're not spending too much money, then we have a super warm September, October, so we're not spending stuff on new clothes, it's like, it's like problems just amount and amount and amount. So it's, 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 it's a very tough um, period for, for them and most of them will say 2023 will be like horrendous year where like many competitors will um, go out of the market. How is it here? Again, it's a mixed bag. Um, we have some of our brands um, where we uh, have a, an operation which is you know, hyper efficient to the point where we are not left with an ounce of fat at the end of a, a year or season in terms of um, remnant stock. We have other brands um, because of all the macroeconomic factors that you previously alluded to that are not in that position and that we, um, you know, there is the need as, as, as most retailers have to run promotions and to run sales and we're entering peak trade now and Black Friday, Cyber Monday, uh, you know, will be a big thing out here as it was last year and will continue to be, I believe, for a little while longer. Um, so, you know, we, we flex the rate of sale um, with trading strategies as we need to on a brand by brand basis. But is it in our interests to reduce um, our reliance on holding stock? For sure. I mean, you just need to look at the way that the marketplaces are operating in any, anywhere in the world, but specifically, if, if, as far as this conversation goes, here in this region, um, it, it's, it's happening already. Marketplaces are, they don't want people's stock anymore. They don't want their warehouses full. They don't want to take responsibility for the pick and pack operation. They want to, um, they want to minimize their risk as, as, as much as is possible. So one of the projects that I'm you know, really proud that we jumped on when we did uh, and will come to fruition for us very, very soon is an integrated model uh, with the marketplaces for us that matter in this region that will enable us to trade um, on those platforms without the need to move stock out of our own warehouses. Yeah. So essentially, we improve our rate of sale from our, our one stock pool by making that stock pool available, not just B2C in multiple countries, um, and across multiple devices, uh, but also B to B to C through third-party marketplaces. And the other um, uh, focus area for us right now is how do we also open that single stock pool up to markets outside of our core? 
you know, do we want to run a cross-border operation which gives us the ability to send our stock and our offer and our world-class brands into other parts of the world as long as the host brand agrees that that's an area that's attractive to them and, uh, and therefore uh, in, in their interests to allow us to pursue on their behalf. Um, so our, our global expansion is so much richer and so much wider than just uh, B2C websites and apps. We've got okay. a number of other things we're interested in doing. Got it. So I, if, I if, I, if I understand it right, so it's a mixed bag, but it's by far not as dramatic as it is in Europe now, right? Yeah, again, look, brand by brand. They're, 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 some of our brands, we, we are working very hard to reduce our reliance on holding stock. Um, but I would suggest that um, the position in the, the UK and in Europe at the moment is uh, probably uh, a little worse than, than we're feeling it here. Having said that, um, as I said earlier, the, the, the declining conversion rates we're seeing in this region as a result of people going back into the real world in stores, I don't think is as pronounced in, in Europe. So I'm not sure if, if e-commerce e has felt the same level of pressure um, in other regions, uh, i.e. Europe, as, as we perhaps have in this region here as COVID restrictions have lifted. But yeah, the future of e-commerce for sure is going to revolve in some way, shape or form around being less reliant on holding stock in a traditional warehouse, in a traditional capacity. 100% in the women, superb closing words. Um, thank you, Rob, for being on the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.